This is episode 150 with me, Brett Robbo. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Most of you legends would know, Amber Hawken and I are really great mates. She's one of those abundant humans in my life that lives unapologetically authentic and has a deep, profound impact in people's lives through the work that she does and also through the free value that she gives on her platforms in abundance. She's been on this podcast a few times. We've been working together for a few years on different events and projects and we're now business partners with Calm Mind Co, where we coach people to optimize every element of their lives, cultivate resilience and expand their impact in their lives and in the world. This episode right now is Amber interviewing me on her podcast called the Amber Hawken Podcast and she did an amazing job as she does, as the brilliant coach that she is. She did a great job of getting me to discuss things differently than I have on most other podcast interviews. And I even went places in this one that I've never been before with anyone. So that's part of Amber's great skills as the coach that she is. Hence why I wanted to share this episode with you guys, even though you've heard me share other interviews of myself on this podcast earlier from other interviewees, interviewers, sorry. This one is pretty unique in itself. I'm proud to share this interview with you and would love to hear your feedback. I'm also really proud of the Thrive Series online resource that Amber and I have created together that you'll hear us discussing towards the end of this episode. So I won't go into it too much here, but if you want to learn more about that, you can check out all the info at calmmindco.com forward slash thrive and you'll find that link in the show notes to this episode and i'll shut up right there and won't discuss anything else about this episode because you'll hear her amber cover it from her perspective in the intro that she's about to do but just as a reminder that i've interviewed amber on this podcast in episode 69 113 and 144 if you want to hear her unpacking more of her wisdom and her abundance of value So, now let's hear from the legend himself, (laughs) me, Brett Robbo. Welcome to the Amber Hawken Podcast. I'm Amber and this episode I get to interview one of my best friends and most respected mentors of mine, my brother from another mother, Brett Robinson or Robbo. This is episode 45 and we talk about how to thrive and enhance and optimize our life on a mental, emotional, physical and spiritual level as a human being. Brett shares his heart with us in this episode. And just for a bit of background, Brett is a high performance coach. He worked in high performance. He was an elite athlete and he trains and coaches elite athletes as well as CEOs, 
managers and he is one of my partners for Calm Mind Co, where we optimize human potential, raise consciousness for organizations and people to be able to deepen and expand their impact as human beings and as businesses. In this episode, Brett talks about an experience that he had in his life that took him to a very dark place, something that he 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 goes into detail in a way he never has before about this experience. Now, if you know Brett, you would know that he is an expert on everything well-being and mindset. He's addicted to gratitude. He is a mental strength training coach and he is an expert on breath work. He's trained in uh, by the HeartMath Institute. So his knowledge and understanding of the breath and its connection to our body and our heart rate variability is absolutely impeccable. And he shares his wisdom more than generously. We also touch on the program that we created together through my business, Calm Mind Co. The program's name is called Thrive and you will get a really great idea about what that's about. And if you want some more information, you can go to calmmindco.com and check it out. Thank you so much. This is the Amber Hawken podcast, episode 45 with Brett Robertson, optimizing human potential, thriving, not just surviving. Brett Robinson, king of gratitude, master of optimization, my brother from another mother. Thank you for coming on the show. Sister from another mister. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Super grateful to be here. You're so welcome. Today, I would really love to explore uh, Brett Robinson himself and unpacking someone who I know lives and breathes everything he teaches. The reason that I want to do this because I know that a past version of myself would look at you and be so keen on wanting to thrive in my life and and optimize my life and take it to the next level and then looking at you and feeling that that was somewhat out of reach. And because I know you and I know who you are and I know the dedication you have to this life and you make it look and feel easy, I want other people to understand the work internally that it's taken in order to create a life for you that looks and feels so effortless. Would that be okay? (laughs) Is that the question? (laughs) We're doing this, okay? (laughs) So let me ask you this. Was it always really easy to live in alignment with your highest values? To be honest, I don't know that I've ever thought about living in alignment with my highest values. Mm -hmm. When I look back to, so I'm 34 years old now and when I look, retrace my life and I grew up in a small country town, I played a lot of sport and I was really good at sport and I played a lot of rep football, went to the AIS for sprinting, uh, played a lot of rep sports and I was really good at all that sort of stuff. Mm. But when I look back at it, it actually didn't come easy. Mm. I trained my ass off Mm -hmm. and... I've had people say that to me, oh, you know, it, it just you're just really good and you're just really talented. And I think, thank you. However, yeah, I believe that I had some talent, but geez, I trained hard. Mm. Right now, as I say that, I can remember being 17 years old in year 12, 40 degree heat in Cobar after school, running around the track, the grass track, which was also the show ground, the cricket ground, the football ground. And there's my mates on the golf course right beside, in a funny kind of way, hitting golf balls at me and drinking beers. Mm. And that would often be the case. And I, you know, not hitting golf balls at me because they were teasing me, but just that was the way that you connect as country lads and they were my best friends. But I often think about all the things that I quote unquote missed out on. They talk about some of the best parties that they ever had. I wasn't there. 
the reason they were great parties is because my parents took me away for sport and my brother had a party at our house. <laughs> <laughs> the, these golf games, these gatherings after school, I would choose to go and train as opposed to doing all of that. Mm. So when I look at things in that way, I guess that was me living in alignment with my highest values because I valued sports so much and I loved it and I was really good at it and that was what I was drawn to. And then throughout life, after sport, in through different careers, I was a full-time soft tissue therapist for many years, yep. traveling with the Paralympic team. And when I think about different phases, I don't think I have always lived in alignment with my highest values. I've mm. gone off the rails and back on the rails, mm. very much so. It's actually not been until the last five years I would say four years maybe yep. that I really have been living more in alignment with my top core values and actually aware of it yeah I was going to say I mean we can dive into that and part of that is awareness of what are they um what what were they don't have to answer that now but. well my top core values now since identifying them and living in accordance with them it's really obvious to me that it's yeah. my my number one top core value is my health my physical mental and emotional health and well-being and how I nourish those and tap into those varies at different stages, but it's all about that. That's my number one priority. Mm-hmm. Actually, a little side note on that, that one of my clients was asking me who had done values questionnaires with a lot of other people at the same time and they all shared their top values and other people's values were around kindness and giving and yep. things like that. And she said, is it really selfish of me that my number one, like my top core values are around myself and my well-being and like my personal growth and my health and and I when I thought about to me it's that's I believe that everyone should have their their health and their well-being as their top core values mm. because when we are our best selves from a health and well-being perspective then we can be more kind then we can be more giving then we can be more present then we can be more of everything for everyone else and whether it's a society belief that no 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 that's selfish or whether it's just a uh, not a, having the awareness that that is actually possible or what that actually means to have those as our top core values so a little bit of a sidetrack there but for me um, living when we talk about living in alignment with our top values like i said through different phases of life i feel like i sport and health has always been mm-hmm. a big part of it and relationships mm-hmm. so really close with my friends and family it's always been a part of it and i've always nourished those areas but i've also made a lot of mistakes and deviated from those over time and just been through different phases however like i said over the last four years it's become really clear to me through it's beyond awareness now it's it's the it's the feeling aspect of it and realizing so being so in tune with who who I am when I am living in alignment with those values. So when I am nourishing my physical, mental and emotional health, my relationships, uh, my well-being, when I'm not just saying gratitude but I'm actually living from that grateful state, when, when I'm also surrounding myself, like putting myself in the environment where I'm surrounding myself with people who challenge me and lift me higher as well as support me. When it when I'm in and, and the way that that makes me feel on a regular basis, it's really easy then if I do start to deviate and quote unquote fall off the rails a little bit, it's like, no, that's that's not me. That's not how I want to live. That's not that's not making me feel good. And and like a lot of the work that I've done and that you that you've done, you realize that that's that's why we do the work. Mm. 
I believe that, quote unquote, success isn't about doing everything right all the time and that it takes you on this le- this road of perfection. What I believe is that life's going to throw some fucking big challenges and curveballs at you all the time and you're also going to make choices and decisions that take you off the rails a little bit. But the quote unquote success in my mind is having the skills, the ability, the knowledge, the awareness, the support, the tools, the strategies to bring you back onto the rails, to bring you back into alignment that at a faster rate as opposed to being out of alignment for longer and derailing. So I just feel like I'm having an amazing coaching session here and I'm writing some notes down. I kind of want to hear you saying, Robbo, is also for anyone listening, um, Brett doesn't really have his first name as Brett's Robbo. (laughs) (laughs) When you are in tune with yourself, you can feel rather immediately that you're not in alignment and it's it's almost like a I'm trying to figure out the the chicken and the egg it's like okay if I'm in tune then I can and then I because you said who I am when you're in tune you can know who you are and check in and go no this is not who I am and I feel like that there's a there's a big gap for a lot of people to well being in tune is one thing and then being able to understand who I am is another so when you say who I am how are you able like how did you get clear on that like who are you how can you how did you get aware of that and how do you check in with that like it's not doesn't feel tangible to so many people let me talk about how I know that from when from when I didn't when it wasn't clear to me who I was but I thought I was living uh, with that clarity so I think about so I've always been into sport. I was an athlete at the AOS for a few years and everything was all about sport then. And then when I stopped that, I still remained very active and very healthy. However, oh, sorry, very active and very fit and strong and loved my training. But fit and active and strong doesn't mean healthy. Yeah. And I look at the way that I lived life and I went through this phase of um, 22 to probably 26 where I partied a lot. And for me, it was about during the week I would – eat what I thought was healthy at the time and I would do really good things and then I'd party for a few days in a row but I knew that that's okay I'm gonna I'll play catch-up during the week Mm. and then party a lot on the weekend play catch-up during the week and in my mind I would justify why that was okay and so living that way at that time I thought was part of me knew oh this isn't sustainable Mm -hmm. however it, it just felt right for me and so I look at living those kind of periods and think that I look at that in, in that partying kind of way, but how many other areas of my life was I living like that and not realizing it? Mm. So in, in answer... So to summarize that, keep that. So how many areas... You ask yourself how many areas in my life was I almost like making excuses to be able to catch up, like to excuses to be out of alignment to then get back in alignment? Okay, yeah. Absolutely. Please yeah. keep going. And, and so back in answering to your question of how did I, how do I know now that feeling that I am mm. in alignment and, and to get that feeling when I'm out of alignment is doing the work. Mm. So I, I know there's a time frame in my mind of five and a half years ago because I experienced major adversity and it was a, a period of time of going through that grieving period and just heaps of shifting and changing in my life. And then when I started doing more of the work, on myself and understanding and having that paradigm shift of the world and how we live and understanding the human experience in such a different dynamic 
that's how I know that it's it's building the pieces of that puzzle to now to know when I'm out of alignment. And I tell you what, at 34 years old, I know I've got a shit ton more work to do. There's so much that I haven't done. I'm not saying, oh, oh this is where I'm at and this is, you know, I'm going to float for the rest this of my life. This is the end life. of the line. Yeah, it's, I don't believe that it's ever like that. However, the <clears throat> that, that realisation and having done the work makes me and it's surrounding myself with people like yourself and other mentors and other friends and seeing what works for them, what doesn't and, and understanding, just deepening my understanding and awareness of what I believe the human experience is more about. Amazing. Uh, you said uh, going back to you were 17 years old and you were in year 12 and the boys were playing golf and cobbles at you and you were training. What was going on inside you for you to be able to go, all right, I could do this or I could be this. What was driving you to choose to train and not go and play golf and hit golf balls at yourself and get pissed? <laughs> what was going on? When you're good at something and you actually enjoy doing it, I don't think it becomes a choice of whether you have to choose between one thing or the other. So you can't just be good at it, you have to enjoy it too? Okay, I'm not saying that's a rule, but that's how I believe. If I look back at it, I never asked myself that question back then. It was just what yep. I did and who I was and how life was. Yep. But when I think about that now, because if I look at my habits and behaviours now, mm -hmm. the things that are really easy for me to do every day is to exercise, eat healthy, have big belly laughs, spend quality time with my family. And that's not a hard thing to do. And I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything by choosing the healthy food. Oh, I can't have that sugar because I have to have this healthy thing. Oh, I can't go to the pub and have some drinks because I have to go for a run. Oh, I can't just sit on the couch and watch Netflix because I have to have big belly laughs and quality time with my family. Mm. It's it, That's that whole thing around, well, what makes me... It's almost like those choices and decisions, they're habits. That's what habits are, right? And it's not – I'm going to repeat myself. It's not like I feel like I'm missing out on something yeah. by doing those things that are fueling me right. in alignment. <clears throat> what, do you, what do you believe it is then that people will create habits that aren't healthy for themselves where it's not bringing them joy? Like, well, Why would people do that? There's so many different areas of that. One is environment. So there's that saying of – your genes load the gun and your environment pulls the trigger. Mm -hmm. So the way that we grow up and we think that we're, oh, my parents were fat, so I'll be fat. My parents got cancer, so I'll get cancer. This disease, this thing, um, no one around me, like my family haven't had quote unquote success, so I won't have success. We're genetically predisposed as human beings, like that's what we are, we're genes. However, it's our environment that actually pulls the trigger. And what that means is it doesn't matter what your genes say, it's the choices and decisions that you make on a regular basis that set up the trajectory of your life. Mm. So for a lot of people, it's just having been surrounded in an environment of disbelief about being able to change and belief that this is the way that it always will be. That's a big one. Actually, environment is one of the biggest. You think about you can have someone and make so many changes, give them a paradigm shift, mm. a really good experience, a big deep dive. If they go back to their environment, for example, the people that we work with in detention centers. Yeah. So we know the statistics of when they're in there and they do really well and 90 or 95% of them are re-offenders because yeah. when they come out, they go back into that environment, the environment. They're surrounded by the same thing. So in society, for everyone listening to this, 
that's why those sayings of, you know, you're a product of the five people you surround yourself with and uh, be really careful about who you choose to spend time with and who takes your energy and who gives you energy, that's why it's really important because it comes down, to, it's kind of those micro level things that really mm-hmm. come out of you in your choices, your habits and behaviours around that. When you say the word environment, what comes to mind is internal environment as well. The internal environment in our mind, the internal environment in our body, and you were talking about health and well-being. Uh, correct me if the, that language was incorrect, as being your highest value is health. Health and, and well-being? Yep, yep. Men- mental, physical, emotional. Great, yep. So would you say that even if our external environment is um, perhaps not uh, optimal for – not going back into old patterns, would you say that if our internal environment is optimized, which is what's within our control, that we can overcome the influence of the external environment? Would you agree or disagree? Wholeheartedly agree. Mm-hmm. Have you seen homeless people on the street? Yes. And those homeless people on the street with no money and no food mm-hmm. – can they think about living in a mansion here on the Gold Coast? I'm going to say yes. They can think about that. Yeah. Okay. So that's their internal environment is their thoughts. Got it. Their external environment doesn't change, yep. but their internal environment isn't dictated by their external environment. Got it. Yes, a lot of the time it is, but it doesn't always have to be. So just because they're thinking those thoughts, it doesn't mean, oh, all of a sudden they're living in that mansion. That's not. It's not the, the secret aspect that I'm getting at here. Yep. However... In answer to your question, I believe that what's through the work that we do, and you've you've exposed me to it at an even deeper level, that it's it's actually more so that that the internal environment is what we have more control over than the external environment. However, in society and the way that we choose to see the world and perceive the world and live and be dictated by, it's our external environment that we let dictate our internal environment. Mm. But all the work that that we do and everything that you coach and teach and believe in is all about that internal external environment. So from my experience, that has been a big part of the shift over the last four years back into one of the first questions is what makes it so much, I can't even say easy. I wanted to pull you up on that actually when you asked that at the beginning, what makes it so easy to live in alignment. The ease is the part that I spoke about before where because of what I know how it makes me feel. So it's easy. Yes, it is easy for me to make healthy choices, to exercise more, to spend quality time, to live in gratitude, not just speak it because the hard thing is to actually do the opposite to those things on a consistent basis. So sometimes I'll still eat shit food and then regret it. Sometimes I'll live days where I'm like a little bit shitty because I haven't slept so well and I'm not expressing gratitude and I have all that feeling and then, you know, it doesn't last very long. So the ease of it becomes knowing that or and, and that belief of doing the internal work that that's the way I that, – that's the normality of life to me. Mm. So I see people who live – and I've got zero judgment oh, – I can't say zero. I suspend judgment as often as I can around this when people live – unhealthy lives, ungrateful lives, resentful, in suffering and things like that. And I think, oh, that must be so hard to make those decisions every day to continue to fuel that. And then I've got to catch myself and realize, well, actually, that's just their belief that that's the way life is. And Mm -hmm. my belief of the way my life is makes it easy to make those choices and decisions. 
You said earlier um, you have to do the work. You grieved, you had a grieving process. You went through this very, very fast. And so I wrote all of the three of them down. You have to do the work. You went through a grieving process and you had a paradigm shift. Do you remember saying that? Absolutely. Okay, so what's the work? And I can ask you these again in steps. In summary, I want to understand what the work is that you're talking about. And which came first? What was the grieving? What did you grieve? What was the work that you did? Which one came first? And what was the paradigm shift in your world? I think I've always done the work. Everyone is always doing the work. But it's just a matter of whether the work that they're doing is... I can't even say the right work, but is it helping... And taking us in the right direction, is it the work that we need to be doing or is it the work that uh, is actually the sustainable, fulfilling work? Mm. That makes a lot of sense in my mind, but I'll I'll come back to that. I'll talk to you about the work after the, the grieving period. And so I've always been an optimistic lover of life. Yeah. Even though when I've said to you, I've lived those periods of time where I've gone through and just derailed and then lived quote unquote healthy during the week, partied a lot or through sporting times, everything, always been an optimistic lover of life and the things that I work hard at, voila, flourish in. It's not just like it came really easy. So, but it was never a, I never did personal development work. I never knew much about myself. It was just the way that I lived and it just made sense to to do that I guess growing up in sport too you know okay my goal is to win a gold medal at the national championships I know I need to train freaking hard to get that okay I want to pass these exams I know I need to work hard to do that okay so it just kind of aligns in that way and part of that question I'll get to this grieving sorry if I'm talking around in circles but the, the question you asked earlier around why how else did you make those decisions to not go and hit golf balls and be the one that was getting golf balls hit at them at that time in life and all that (laughs) sort of stuff. One of the greatest influences in my life was my grandfather and he was like my best friend. He was my athletics coach through from year nine to the end of year 12 at school. He wasn't a certified athletics coach. He didn't really know what he was doing. I didn't know what I was doing either growing up in the country 10 hours away from Sydney and things like that. But he knew that if he didn't coach me and and give me that guidance, Mm. then I would be the one on the golf course drinking beers and hitting golf balls Mm. and not living to my talent of, of athletics. So he, and he was an influence in that way of guidance, not of um, pressure or you must. And so my grandfather was, he was a young grandfather. He used to train a bit with me. We, I did the city to surf with him and my grandmother. They were a beautiful couple, happily married for 53 years. They were, we lived with them a lot when we were kids, small country town. We saw them often. They were like my, my best friends, my grandparents, my idols, my mentors, everything. And, and that happened even when I left school. So my grandfather's the reason I got to the AIS. He coached me through and kept me in alignment. And, and, you know, I have a lot of my life to credit to my grandfather and my grandparents are just guiding lights for me. My, my parents split up when I was three, but they always stayed close friends. So I never saw love with my parents together. They loved us dearly and they did everything for us kids but I saw love between my grandparents and that, that was normal for me that they would kiss and cuddle and 
um, and even talk sexual as we got a bit older. And I thought, brilliant, like this, you know, it, it never dies. This love never dies. And they were just guiding lights for me. And um, yeah, and five, it was almost five and a half years ago now, they, my grandparents were murdered in their own home back in Coba and it, by their own son, uh, my uncle. So as you can imagine, that was a pretty fucking messy situation in life. And it's messy for years and years. Like it only just finished in court a year ago and even the results of court is like I say, the so-called justice system, the things that you learn about that. But the what it did, what that situation, it took me into a deep, dark place that I didn't even know could exist. It, it, it actually took the rug out from under my feet of this optimistic lover of life. Just to, now when I look back at it, it was almost like a, hey, hang on, life isn't this linear, um, just work hard and everything will be okay type approach. Um, all of a sudden I'd lost two of the most influential and inspirational humans in my life. Not just lost them, but I don't like to use this language much, but it fucking sucks. Hmm. They had so much life to live and they were just getting close to retirement. They were fit and healthy. They were adored by so many people in the world, not just by their family. And and to go like that from a, a mentally ill son of theirs that they... They kept him alive. They protected him. He lived under their roof. He's the reason why... Sorry, they're the reason why he was alive and just... Like I said, it's quite messy and deep. But from that personal experience, it, it really shook me and took me on an emotional journey that I didn't even know could exist. And it wasn't straight away that I thought, I've got to do the work to get out of this. It's through that grieving period that there's so much... So much... Um, fogginess and darkness and disruptiveness and all of a sudden this this anger and resentment within me that just burnt and it wasn't like I expressed it outwardly but it just it it ate me and I still remember sitting the day of the funeral actually so I was presenting there's a little bit of a sidetrack here but I was presenting at a school one day. I've never actually shared this. And um, a year seven kid at the end of the presentation said to me, it was more around sport and working with the Paralympic athletes that I'd worked with my whole career. And they, the kid said to me, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? And so they were thinking outward, um, something to do with sport or a hike or something. And straight away, I just, I felt into that. I didn't think about what they would want to hear. And I felt into it and, and it, my heart just sunk. And I swallowed and I looked around to think, do I share this? And I thought, if I'm going to be true to myself, I share this right now. And I said, the hardest thing I've ever done is carry my grandfather's coffin. The hardest thing I've ever done is carry my grandfather's coffin from one end of the... We had it at the town swimming pool because that's where he used to do his laps every day. And I still remember that walk. It was like time just froze and every memory of my grandfather just... It was almost like it was just getting packed up as I took every step to say everything you've experienced is it will never happen again you'll never have that that closeness that feeling that relationship it's gone 
like that's when it really hit me and I looked across the pool and there's my family and my mum carrying my grandmother's coffin it it was just like a twisted movie and truthfully like I I can talk about so many things now and like I said I haven't actually expressed that and that's why I'm actually teary right now because it's the hardest thing that I've ever done because mentally and emotionally that just pulled me back into that vortex that I had been feeling for those couple of weeks before that funeral. I I was working with a psychologist and at the AIS and she knew about I took about four or five weeks before I went maybe a bit longer than that before I went back to to work at the AIS I was coaching then back at the AIS and I was sitting in the office with the psychologist and and explaining everything again and she already knew the whole story but she said to me Robert it sounds like part of your life has ended and I said yeah I guess that's exactly how it feels part of my life has ended and I said I've never lost anyone before never lost anyone close to me before like this and I don't really know what to do. I don't. I just don't feel like myself anymore. And she said to me, you know, Robbo, you're going to become more of a whole person because of this. And I still remember it, looking down at the floor, just eyes welted up with tears. And I thought about what she said. And it, it, I didn't have to think about it for long, but I thought about it and I just looked up at her and I had the biggest smile on my face and I said, Kate, that is the best thing that you could have ever said to me because all I want to do every day is just be a little bit better version of myself so I can help other people be a bit better version of themselves too. You know, as a coach for Paralympic athletes and that's what it's about, it's about bringing out the best in people. And said, so if I have to think about this fucked up situation, the shittest thing in my life in that way, that I'm going to be more of a whole person, I can be a stronger version because of all of this and help others along the way, then that's exactly how I'm going to look at this situation. And that was just a mindset shift in that moment and a turning point. And it's not to say that from then on everything was hunky-dory, but that's what got me to start thinking differently about it. And that's when I started to do, quote-unquote, the work without even realizing it. Had a couple of sessions with the psychologist and one day it hit me I was a coach, I'd been an athlete my whole career and a therapist, a performance therapist and I realised, hang on, when I'm sitting down and talking with the psychologist, she's obviously using a technique with me. I wonder what that technique is because it's working bloody well, it's making me see clearly <laughs> and think differently. So I called her up and I said that to her and I said, what's this technique you're using with me? It's bloody good and she laughed and she said, all right, it's, it's called acceptance and commitment therapy most I, of the work that we're doing. Yep. I said, right, who wrote the books? Who wrote the courses? I want to study it. I want to learn it. And she laughed and she said, yeah, okay, I think you're ready. Just start with Dr. Russ Harris and The Happiness Trap, the book. So I did that thinking, oh, this is it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to learn all this stuff. That book took me on a deep freaking emotional journey again. Mm. And that's where the real work started. I remember sitting on the lounge at home, just bawling my eyes out, reading that book, doing what the tasks were within it. It was kind of breaking, not breaking me down, but just taking me back there to do a bit of the work and go again. And that's when I realized I want more of this because after that, I had more clarity. After that, I was starting to realize resentment and anger weren't fueling me. It was actually making me less of a better version for myself, for my beautiful partner, Marie, for my family, for my athletes, everything. So that's when I started to look at other things and doing other. And the work was around just being exposed to different 
different coaches, different, even NLP at that time was really good for me because it got me to think differently and started that paradigm shift and and it just took me on that journey and doing doing the work and the work i meet someone like you and i realize holy shit i haven't done much work at all like there's this whole realm of the work and coaching and um modalities that i haven't even explored but at that time that work that i did over that few year period allowed me to shift away from just being addicted to human performance as a high performance coach in sport to being addicted to human behavior and understanding the link between the two hence why two and a half years or three years ago now that i quit my job at high performance sport on on top so to say i got coach of the year that year and my athletes won gold medals broke world records at the world championships to to want to explore this human behavior dynamic and coach as a performance coach for all humans, not just elite athletes and looking at human behavior and working with people in and doing the work in different ways. And so that's the grieving period. That's the work period. What was the other part of that question? What was the paradigm shift? So the, well, I guess what the paradigm- What was it? What did it become? The, the, the paradigm for me was, I guess, like I kind of explained in, in that whole journey of seeing life as pretty linear and do the hard work and everything will be okay do the hard work everything will be okay all of a sudden no it's not like that like there's there's challenges there's there's um unforeseen circumstances that you can be you you can think you're as prepared as ever and but you can never prepare yourself enough for something like that so the paradigm shift was actually about looking at life more around the the internal environment aspects from a mental emotional physical spiritual relational social well-being aspect as opposed to just health and physical like i had done or study that and you'll get that like a quite a linear approach understanding the dynamic human experience a lot more brett robinson you're one of my favorite people on the planet for many many reasons and i feel honored that you would share such things around your life. And so I want to thank you before we move forward for that. Um, I will give you a giant big physical hug afterwards, unless you want one now. (laughs) But I'm hugging you with my eyes. I know you can see it. So many different aspects I would like to dive into that. I would love to just summarize first something that you continue to repeat over and over again that I really want people to hear. And this is what I feel and see with you is that you have – basically realized and this is from someone who coaches olympic athletes that you can have as much talent and you can work as hard as you like when push comes to shove so to speak it's almost taking the foot off the pedal of the push and the hard of the external and going internal to create more power and leverage so that the external response to that so it's an optimization of the internal will get you much further than trying to optimize the external first would that be correct yeah and it's not until probably even recent times where i've really understood that actually yes i was really talented with sport and i did really well there but what was I running from? What was I hiding from? What By not having gone internally and understanding that aspect of it and not having done, quote unquote, the work in different areas, uh, what was I actually? And, and there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of not guilt. There's a, 
disbelief that I was hiding from. When I look mm. back to it, I actually did a, a podcast episode on my podcast a while ago called Bullied to Belief because as I started, as this started to come up within me and I realized I was always teased as a young kid, you fucking love job because I was good at things. So if I, I, I what love? I love job. I don't know. That was terminology. Like you love yourself. You love yourself. Oh. Yeah, so I'd be good at sport. I'd be in the paper. You're a love job. Right. I got beaten for being a love job. I got bashed and just bullied significantly year six, year seven, year eight, like actually beaten. I'm surprised that I continued doing sport after that really. Mm. And I mean that was only a little short period of my time but it's enough to kind of make me reflect and, and, and realise there was so – I didn't even speak about that to a lot of people. I'm not even sure how much it – it did tarnish me at that time until now understanding and reflecting back on how much of how we live now is a result of what happened or didn't happen in our younger life. But that internal, so the external stuff was really easy for me because I was talented so I could could show up, I could do that and, and that was my outlet. But having never done the internal work, so now the challenge is going deeper and doing the internal work mm. and but understanding it's because of that challenge that the and doing that deeper internal work that's what creates better sorry more aligned external results Mm. you said dis you had a can you unpack disbelief a little bit more around that so you you said you were bullied into you you were bullied about what brought you joy and what you were really good at um talk you skimmed over disbelief what was what what did what didn't you believe At the time, I guess it wasn't that I didn't believe that I could achieve because innately, I never thought, you know, it's funny, I I, I did a sport, a 100-meter sprinter. There is so much ego. Can you give us your time? I was 18 years old and did 10.6 in the 100 meters, which Brilliant. is, it might sound fast, but it's nothing. Like it on the on the national scale, on the world scale, it's, it's really not great. Hmm. Uh, but I'm proud of it. Don't get mm. me wrong. I'm mm-hmm. proud of it. Mm-hmm. And and I was 19, almost 20 when I decided to quote unquote take a break that I never went back to it. Yeah. <laughs> but the disbelief aspect, I'm not good enough. Mm. So I think being bashed and bullied about being a love job, it didn't fuel me more to prove that I was good though. It didn't in that way. It was the that I'm not good enough that I took with me into other areas of my life. Mm. So when I started to study and when I became a therapist, I was never good enough to be in around other therapists, other physios, other soft tissue therapists, other chiros or anything like that. I never spoke much in those environments because I felt like, well, I'm not as good as them. And I guess now that I unpack this a little bit with you that my speaking in my, my sport was my speaking as a proof that I am good enough. Right. So the disbelief aspect is probably more around that I I felt like I was being beaten not because I was good at something but because I wasn't good at something, mm. because I wasn't good at what did they want me to be good at? I don't know. Like how do you how do you not be a love job? How do I not be a love job? Mm. I'm getting beaten because I'm a love job. How do I not be a love job? What is it? And this is so not let me shrink in these different areas so that I don't experience re-experience that. Mm-hmm. 
And that's only, like I said, come to me recently. That's not anything that went through my mind back then. Mm-hmm. It was almost just like I, I took it on board. Okay, they're older than me. They can have their opinions. They can beat me for being a love job. I'm a love job. So would you agree that if people don't often self-reflect on why they're doing what they're doing and the driving force behind it, that they might really just live out of alignment and not even realize it? Oh, absolutely. And that's what I think we see in society as well. That we we are drawn towards or drawn from or dictated by external forces. It's almost like sorry. Don't apologize. Go but, for it. Okay, great. Thanks. It's oh. <laughs> this is your podcast. Please give me more. Yeah, do me. So it's really almost as though the external environment might influence the internal. We don't realize that. You know, we don't get that. We don't realize that they, we just take them on. And I, I do believe that people are starting to understand that a lot more now. And, and it's, you know, it's do the work and it's becoming very popular and it's very fancy, shining word. And I adore that. And for me, it feels so much more simple than that it's okay so the external environment push some beliefs or some feelings and train our nervous system in a certain way and then if we do not have a look at that and 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 I don't want to say pull it apart with a fine tooth comb because it sounds very stressful for me that kind of turns me on but it's you know it's not everyone's um what do you call like bag of skittles yeah cup of cacao (laughs) as we sip on this delicious cacao that you've just made me however self-reflection and i've written this down here you talk you know that i the master of optimization you are and you're also i guess you would say a chief of optimism even though you went through those stages of that grief and what you spoke about it actually gave you access and this is what I'm, I'm reflecting back on what you told me I could see it, it, it you were able to access different parts of yourself and so what Kate said to you was so true you know even though you went through that grief and I'm just relating right now because so many people during this um, pandemic and, and the isolation have talked about what they have had to grieve and what they have lost and and just from hearing your experience that grief and that loss helped you access so much more of yourself and it made you whole. And I feel like we forget that. And being able to access more wholeness within yourself made you a more optimal being and made you more optimistic. So that shifted your internal environment to being more whole, more optimistic, which then created this external environment in your life, which I know that you are living your dreams. So at the very beginning, you talked about you had strategies and you even asked your psychologist <laughs> what her strategy was because it's it's as if you learnt and and from your grandfather as well, you said he gave you guidance. He didn't give you pressure or tell you what you must do. He, he guided you and you had these strategies and it's almost like these things optimised your internal environment. Would that be correct? That like your mindset? So with that guidance, had that mindset and it had some kind of strategies in the external. And when I'm looking at Brett Robinson, I see a life built on strategy to optimize life. I've had the honor of being able to create a program and build out and teach and, and, and plan out a program called Thrive. And I'm learning here as I'm interviewing you, the, not just the, the, power of this because I know that's why we did this but however how deeply ingrained the strategies are for an optimal life 
What does it mean to you to thrive? And I also want to put optimal in there too because optimal does not mean perfect. To thrive does not mean to live to perfection. If do not do not follow do not work with me, do not follow me on social media, do not listen to me if you want to know how to live perfectly because I do not know that. However, optimal and thriving to me is making choices and decisions every day to either be a little bit better or to remain in alignment with how you know it makes you feel. And for me, feeling, I thrive off... I... (laughs) I'm energized by the feeling of pride, love, joy. Like it brings me abundance in so many different ways. Mm. So to me, I look at these different elements like what we've put into the Thrive Program. Every day we have to sleep. How can we sleep a little bit better to ensure that we wake up with energy and not less energy? We're breathing every minute of every day. How can we breathe more efficiently to ensure that we're energized and we're feeling great? We have to eat as humans to survive. How can we make choices of what we eat and drink to make sure that we feel a bit better as opposed to feeling a bit shit and reactive and um, de-energized and flat? We have to move as human beings. We're not robots. We're not computers that just are supposed to be stagnant. So how do we move that makes us optimal? I, I was in high performance sport and I would train hard all the time. Now I train hard every now and again. Because I don't think that's optimal. I coach athletes who have to train hard often and that's great. However, our saying is that recovery is more important than the training itself. So it's not that I say that everyone has to train really hard. However, as humans, we have to move. So how do we move in a way that fuels us to feel more energized, to feel that vibrancy and that abundance as opposed to just feeling stuck and moody and not having energy and looking at things very pessimistically because we're not moving and flushing the toxins out of our system. You know, there's all these different things we hate, we think every day. So how do we ensure that our thoughts are helping us and not hindering us? Because as you know, the, you know, 40 to 70,000 thoughts every day and most of them are the same as the day before. And if we buy into all of those negative thoughts, they're going to be there. Even for you and I who know all of this, we still get all of those thoughts that pop up, but it's whether we attach to them and believe them or not and that disbelief and where it takes us and then understanding how to to fuel our minds in different ways because of that. So to me, thriving is about the choices and decisions every day that we already have to make and we can make those to be just a little bit better or to... To be in alignment as opposed to making the choice of let's drink beer, let's eat pizza, let's stay up all night, let's not sleep, let's just mouth breathe, uh, let's not give <laughs> a shit about <laughs> let's let's not give a shit about the thoughts that we have. Um, you know, let's all the, like they're all choices and decisions. So thriving to me is just having the ability. Now it's not the ability. The, the ability is not the thriving part. The thriving part is you've made, you're making the choices and decisions that are in alignment with making you feel the way that I believe every human being should feel on a daily basis. Happiness, joy, gratitude, abundance, connection. They're not gifts to the people who are lucky. They're ways of being that every one of us human beings deserves to experience 
every day and not just for a little bit while you're sitting there with someone that you like it's multiple times throughout the day the choices and decisions every day that we make we should feel love joy abundance gratitude acceptance um connection fucking fun you know all of these kind of experiences of life that's what daily life should be Mm. i think that's why i love being around you so much because it's it's just the energy it's not like we have to fake ourselves to be around that and when we connect and that to me is life do we want to get to 10 20 years down the track do we want to get to the end of this pandemic right now do we want to get to next year 2021 look back and go ah i wish i was having more fun i wish i had more joy i wish i knew what abundance was i i wish that i felt this Mm. fuck that like for every one of us and i this goes back to that external environment part. I understand that people's external environments are very different. Someone might be listening to this and go, yeah, but Robbo, you've got no idea. You're not living the life that I'm living. You don't have a relationship that you don't like. You don't have a job that you don't like, whatever. I'm going to call you bullshit on that because I have experienced some things and I also work with people who have experienced worse things. And I look at that and go, yeah, well, that's fine. Have you lost your best friend? Are you carrying the person who means the most to you? Are you carrying them in their coffin right now down the edge of the pool? No. Like, let's put things into perspective. Let's look at what we do have. Let's look at what we can control. Let's look at how we want to be as human beings to actually enjoy life. We can make every excuse under the sun. That in itself is a choice. For someone who I've never heard... Be as as deeply <laughs> honest and forward like that. You're hanging out with me. Uh, I was going to say too much, but you're hanging around me enough. <laughs> <laughs> I feel your passion and I feel your 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 uh, inspiration, really, truly, because I know that you believe in human beings in general, and I know that this is where your heart comes from. Because I know that all you want is for every single human to understand that they can be fulfilled no matter what is going on no matter how hard it is whether or not they are living with a a terminal illness or they're in a situation where they're moving away from and feeling so stuck with domestic violence and the reason that that comes to mind is actually domestic violence month and calm mind co ourselves we're giving away um we're giving away programs to those affected by domestic violence so i grew up in a home with with um with that and it's so deeply close to my heart and it impacted your world on the biggest scale possible so what I love about what you're saying Brett is that this isn't about do you want to feel good (laughs) you want to feel happy yay here's a here's a uh something to react to your life with what I hear is that this is about understanding that you do have a choice where maybe before you didn't realize you did. And if there's someone listening that believes perhaps they're not worthy of having their life because maybe they believe, maybe they're down on themselves because they got in a cycle of not being in alignment and then they have perhaps been someone who has in their own pain caused another pain in their perspective and they don't feel like they're worthy of this, what would you say to them? So many things come to mind and one thing I would start with is don't wait for the motivation. The motivation will not be handed to you on a plate. We need to tap into, find something that inspires you to take that first step. 
And if you feel like you're not worthy, then you're not worthy. That's when I tell myself I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough because that's the story I'm telling myself and that's what I'm going to believe and therefore my actions are going to dictate that. Mm -hmm. So we need to shift that belief in whatever way it is of finding that inspiration. Let me tell you through um, some examples. First of all, don't don't let what I'm saying – sorry, if you're the one that's there in disbelief, I'm not saying this from my experience of how I got through things. However, I've worked with people – who have lost both their limbs in an accident, who have had a car accident and become paraplegics or quadriplegics and can't even get themselves in and out of a car ever again. And then they find their better way and they become so determined, like that's what, and become Paralympics and whatever it is, because they focus on what they can do. They focus on what they can control as opposed to what they can't do anymore and what they can't control. So I feel like the the unworthiness and I'm not good enough is us focusing on the things that aren't the truth or the things that we can't do or the things that we don't have as opposed to shifting that and focusing on what we do have. From a, a, a physical perspective, one of my clients who I coach every week one day sent me a message and said, oh, I hurt my toe last night. I can't come to training tomorrow. And I said, my response was, I've coached athletes with no legs. <laughs> Guess who was there at 6.30 a.m. the next day? I just showed up thinking, I think he's going to turn up. And he turned up and he said, thanks for that. I needed that. Uh, I've had other people say to me, oh, yeah, I can't, I can't go for a run and that's why I've put on weight. It's like, sweet. I know heaps of people who can't run who don't put on weight. Uh, I can't do this because I live out in the bush. And I'm like, mm, that's a good excuse if you let it be. So for those people who are listening that have that disbelief, don't wait for the motivation to come along to really push you to do something. Just, I don't know, listening to podcasts like this can be a start. Mm -hmm. And then finding, well, what are ways, what are supports, what are environments? Environment does play a big part. But the more that you fuel into that, I can't, I'm not good enough, I don't believe, I am worthy, I can't get to that end goal, don't think about the end goal. Think about what's the first step you can take. It's not until you take the first step that you realize what the next couple of steps can be. Mm. It's awesome to have visions and you and I are big visionaries and we have fucking big audacious goals and visions. I don't know how I'm going to get to some of them, but I know what the first step is to take. Yep. I know what multiple steps are, but I'll take a couple of those and then something else might change in that trajectory. Mm-hmm. But it's that whole thing of the everyday choices that are in alignment. So coming back to that specific person, maybe start to look at everything that you have to do every day to be a human. Think, breathe, eat, move, be. <laughs> and how can you just do all those a little bit better? Well, I mean, that I was about to ask you, could you please talk a little bit about what we teach in the Thrive Programme? Well, that's exactly <laughs> what it is and, and that's why we do it. Yeah. The Thrive Program is not a recreate the wheel where create artificial intelligence that's going to change the world. It's a reminder of the foundations of what we believe that human beings need to do on a, on a regular basis to, to thrive. And what is thriving? It's living in alignment. It's that feeling of contentment. It doesn't have to be energized, pride, happiness, everything that I spoke about before, even though I love that. It's that feeling of contentment mm. as opposed to that feeling of not good enough. So within the Thrive, when we teach things around mindset, the power of choice, what does that actually mean? Mm. How are your choices helping or hindering you at the moment? Mm-hmm. And here's some resources to bring you back into alignment. Mm. Movement. We've got things in there that are exercise. 
And we've also got things in there that are just movement as medicine to get the blood flow, the lymphatic system to help create neural pathways, open up neural pathways in the mind to, to help you just feel that little bit better. For that person that you were talking about before, you do a couple of those little movements mm. and then all of a sudden you're not thinking about, you're not feeling stuck. You're feeling a little bit energized mm -hmm. and that makes you make another choice and decision in alignment mm. the breathing we talk about breathing i love like we could do a whole podcast on breathing i do whole workshops on well, it we because, will yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know breathing is something the gift that we have that we take with us everywhere that we go that yeah. can make us feel amazing or it can deplete us of energy so you know we do the foundations of breathing there's nothing in there that's mind-blowing or recreating the wheel but it's saying you know it's funny when people say when i coach people on breathing they're like what's next <laughs> and like, hang on you haven't done this yeah yeah but there's got to be something more they don't say that but you can read that within yeah. them and i always say to people hey don't overlook the simplicity of this how often throughout your day do you pause and breathe this way because here i'm showing you on this technology that the way that you're breathing right now it's actually taking you away out of alignment. It's making you feel less energized. Now, why do you need another coffee? Because when you're breathing this way, it's depleting your energy. Mm -hmm. So everything that we cover in that way, I like to explain the Thrive Series as the foundations. Yeah. This is the stuff that I do on a regular basis. And you too, and the meditation, the mindfulness, everything, the movement, the breathing that's in there, because thriving in life and living optimally i don't believe is looking for the the 0.1 percent is to get you to 100 percent. it's the marginal gains and the choices and decisions that we make on a regular basis anyway that keep us in alignment that give us that little bit of energy that allow us to see with a bit of clarity that allow us to be responsive instead of reactive that allow me to be with my gorgeous wife and my beautiful son and actually be with them mm. as opposed to thinking, oh, I don't feel so good, why is that? Or nothing went well for me today and, oh, the weather's bad and, oh, this happened to me and poor me while I'm sitting there in their company. No, no, I'm present. And there's that. that's what fuels that joy and abundance. I'm not looking for it. It's just being there. Mm. My gorgeous wife and I, we do this thing at the end of each day recently what's your word of the day How, what what word were you and two days ago my wife said it's usually an animal or a or a thing and she just said fulfilled oh, beautiful mm. fulfilled that's i i believe that there can't be a better word for it mm. and it was only a couple of days earlier where i said i feel like a shepherd I had the whole day with my one-year-old son and he was just so needy. <laughs> and there was all these things that I wanted to do, but I was just guiding my beautiful little boy and there was so much connection there. But at the same time, I got to the end of the day and I was like, I was a shepherd today. <laughs> I love that. My beautiful little boy just followed me around and I just led him and guided him and I was a shepherd. <laughs> I love it. And what uh, – were you finished, sorry? I've never finished. Just uh, say what you Shut up, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just um, – I love that what you're saying here and because to just to bring back of saying, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't have bad days or we, no, I don't even want to say that. It doesn't mean that there aren't moments where we don't feel all of the most amazing things. And what I love about Thrive is we're not, and everything you're teaching, it's not about like getting up, 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 up so that you crash back down. It's actually an internal fullness and a fulfillment. What Marie said, what your beautiful wife said, it's an internal fullness um, and just to bring back the honesty and the realness of this is, is that, you know, even when we were creating Thrive, I remember you, it was one day that 
came over and we'd been working hard and 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 I own that and I and we chose that and we we chose that specifically and intentionally and we knew that and I sat back going oh my god I'm feeling more tired and I'm like no I chose this and I want to do this and so there there if I am pushing um not pushing but if I am choosing to work at this intensity yeah I'm not going to feel as more as as you know alive and full as always and and I'm okay with that you know this feels right right now to do this it's like cycles of life of intensity and there was a day where it was maybe 2 or 3 p.m. And both of us were we were done for the day. And I just looked at you, how are you doing? And you didn't even respond. I was like, please go home to your beautiful wife and son. And there was another day, you know, how are you today? And I wrote, no, I need two days off. And you're like, okay. You know, and, and this is about responding and honoring what it is that you're feeling just as much as it is optimizing. It's optimizing the relationship and the connection with yourself. And it's like, even though we do all of this, there was a situation on the weekend where I felt more triggered for a few hours than I had done in, I don't know, how long ago was October? Six months? And and I'm lucky that my partner was there and said, what can, you, what can I do? I was like, nothing. Like, I just need to breathe. I'm going to go and cry. Leave me alone for a couple of hours. I'm just going to do some breath work and I'm going to journal. And I did and I was okay. And so it's not about, it doesn't mean that life won't still have challenges or that you won't be triggered or anything like this. It's, it's actually around the strategies that support you in order to get back into alignment faster. So thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing all of these things. And I texted you something earlier this morning. You said, I'm going to sit with this, but I'm going to throw you in the spot right now. (laughs) (laughs) If you had 30 seconds and the whole, every human being on the planet was listening and I'm going to add something to this and this wasn't in the message this morning. If you had 30 seconds and every human being on the planet was missing, listening and you knew that they took were going to take action on it and listen to you what would you share with them don't wait for the motivation don't think about what you should and shouldn't do breathe and respond to how you feel Not what you think you should feel, but respond to how you feel. What do you mean how you feel? What if I feel angry? Respond to that. Mm. Don't suppress it. Mm -hmm. If your response feels like that you have to go and do something violent, that's a bad choice. Respond to it in the way of, Acknowledging it, Mm. accepting it, Mm. and then making a choice on that of (laughs) instead of having go and do to do the the physical outburst of the anger, maybe it's like what you said, go (laughs) respond to that anger in a way of a release of emotion, of processing it, crying, journaling, accepting, Mm. knowing truthfully, be fucking brutally honest with yourself is this a decision that is helping me or hindering me Hmm. i feel angry i'm going to go and punch someone not going to help i feel angry why am i angry doesn't matter like feel it feel it process okay accept that i'm angry i'm angry it's part of the human experience okay i'm angry gonna cry write it down journal it bang oh the anger's gone 
the question you asked around 30 seconds with everyone listening, it's it, there is no answer. And that's my answer right now. If you ask me that tomorrow, it'll be different again and <laughs> again. But the first thing that came to mind and the it. reason why I answer it in that way is because that whole thing around people, we're looking for the motivation. We're looking for that external environment thing. We're looking for that. Um, we're waiting for, we have all these expectations. Hmm. Life's not that linear approach. Brett Robinson, thank you so much for your wisdom, your heart, your vulnerability, your knowledge, your strategies, most of all your energy and your presence on this planet, in this world and in my life. Where can we find more of you? Where's the best place for people to be able to receive more from you? A really good friend of mine told me that I need to pick up my act on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) You. I'm rebranding my website, so it will be brettrobo.com, which is yeah. coming out soon. But I don't think that's the best place. So to to receive more from me, it's definitely my podcast. Yeah. Because the people that I have on there share so much value. Yeah. And that's what that's why we're doing what we're doing, right? Like mm-hmm. I love the podcast. So my podcast is yourlifeofimpact.com. Mm. And also, honestly, the Thrive series. Yeah. You and I are in a different light in that that people wouldn't see us. Mm. Even people who work with us on a regular basis, there's elements in there. I'm coaching you. You're doing the physical work. Mm-hmm. We're meditating together. I'm mm-hmm. coaching you on breathing. You're coaching me on mindset. Mm-hmm. We're challenging each other and we're teaching at the same time. Mm. Honestly, if people want to see us in a different light and thrive, because that's what all the content is there for the individual is to thrive, then going to that. So at calmmindco.com and check out the Thrive series. If people want to reach out through, uh, jump onto the website, yourlifeofimpact.com and all my details are on there or on Instagram, brettrobo1. Because what I like to say is that if people have heard me speak, hopefully I've raised more questions than answers Hmm. because I have hopefully made you think a little bit differently about something. And when we think differently, we start to explore differently and make different choices and decisions. So hopefully I hear from someone who's listened to this podcast who have made them think a little bit differently. And I want to have some questions from people. Mm. You can send those questions to Brett at lifeintentional.com.au is the email. But like I said, jump on either Instagram or anything like that. Absolutely. Yeah, don't feel like you're harassing me. Do we need to finish? Can I ask you a question? Please. Please? I want to ask you the question about if you had 30 seconds. Oh, well, I haven't thought about it, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine because don't you think that if I ask you this yeah. tomorrow, it'll be different? Yeah, probably. Okay. So can, I can't remember the exact wording of it. Can you say the question again so people... Yeah, but then I want you to repeat it back to me because you know what that feels yep. like. If I had 30 seconds, if you had 30 seconds and the whole world was paying attention, they were going to act on what you said, what would you share? Okay, So Amber, if you had 30 seconds to share something with the whole world, the whole world is paying attention and listening to this, and they're going to take action on it, what would you share? Thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> we now have twenty. <laughs> no. I'm laughing because it's so similar to yours. <clears throat> it would be breathe deeply for four counts in through the nose and four counts out through the nose for a few minutes. 
and focus on something inside yourself that feels as warm as the sun and then find something outside of yourself that feels as warm as the sun and as bright as the stars and remember that your innate state of being is joy and that living in alignment with joy will take you closer to your truth to be able to hear the whispers of your intuition in order to live in alignment and that will contribute to the greater good. So do that. Imagine if the whole world listened to that and acted on that. Yeah. I read about that in a post with my mum last around Mother's Day saying that, you know, she taught me that humans can be in despair and still find joy. Like we used to, my favourite memories of my mother are singing like driving down the freeway, the Bruce Highway from Rockhampton to Brisbane, singing Train and Savage Garden and Meatloaf at the top of our lungs, you know, and I know that she had deep amounts of despair. However, she taught me joy. And I have forever followed my joy in life. So That's part of the answer to the question you asked me before about the person sitting there thinking and feeling not good enough and the disbelief. Mm. That's the answer right there. Mm-hmm. Mm. You can still tap into the joy mm-hmm. regardless of the external yeah. environment and other things that are happening. I think it makes us witches and wizards. I'm obsessed with Harry Potter. I'm not like... Encouraging witchcraft here. (laughs) (laughs) Brett Robinson, thank you so much. I love and adore you and appreciate you in my life. You're my best mate and my friend, my mentor. And and to anyone who has heard this, I don't have to tell you. I don't have to remind you. I'm sure you've already felt it. Go and research Brett. Go and find more. And his podcasts are brilliant. I am on there more. Episode 69, I know one of them. What's the other one that's recently launched? launched 144 140 oh brilliant (laughs) it's got a double number in there 144 and um and yeah go check out thrive thanks so much robo hawk and you're a legend thanks for having me and thank you for everyone for listening what a legend what a man you can get more information about brett at yourlifeofimpact.com and do know that he's rebranding so if you google brett robinson it comes up with all things about running and elite athletes and if you'd like to know more about our program that we created called thrive you can go to calmmindco.com and explore that guys thank you so much for being here and for listening these podcasts are like food for my soul and i'd like to provide for you people who are able to bring you real-time advice that's going to have a massive impact just by listening so if you enjoyed this episode and absolutely love your feedback and a comment please head to whatever platform you use spotify or itunes and leave a review and a little comment and go hey here i am i listened and this is what i loved and so i know what to bring more of for you thank you so much this is the amber hawken podcast i'm amber and i hope you have There you go, legends. Thanks for listening to me unpack elements of my beliefs and values and life experiences over that interview. I trust you took a little bit of value from it. And as I said in the intro, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear some feedback of how that episode resonated with you. 
And as Amber and I excitedly chatted about in there, we have the Thrive Series program that we believe every human on the planet can gain an abundance of value from. So if you want to find out more information about that, you can check it out at calmmindco.com forward slash thrive. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.